Let's just have a word of prayer, shall we? Let's okay. Father, we want to thank you for each other for this first Sunday of the year. And we pray that we might hear from you today, from your precious word. And we thank you, Lord, that in all situations that we face in life, that you're here for us. And you want to teach us something very special from the word of God today. I do believe that, Lord. And I pray that you will just plant your word in our hearts. Make it come alive. Give us a fresh understanding of what you're saying to us. And give us that joy and blessing back into our hearts. And we thank you for this new year in which we've entered. Thank you for the blessing of the past year. And for answered prayer. And we thank you to the same God yesterday, today and forever. And we come to you and we seek your face for those things that we find hard in life. For those situations that may have chains that are a challenge to us. But we thank you that you're the one who comes along and you promise to be with us. So we ask you, loving God, that you would minister by the power of your Holy Spirit into each one of our hearts, into each one of our needs. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory for Jesus' sake. Amen. Some of you many have ever heard uh, of Jim Packer. Jim Packer wrote a book many years ago now, and it was called Knowing God. And the book was so well received uh, among Christian folks that they actually made a study guide for discussion about this book that he had written about knowing God. And that's so important. I think sometimes we limit our understanding of why Jesus came. We've been thinking over Christmas why Jesus came into this world. And it's true to say that Jesus came to die on the cross to take away our sins. That's really true. And it's true to say that Jesus came to give us eternal life. And it's true to say that Jesus came to be our example to follow. But sometimes what we forget, and we need to remember again and again, Jesus came to reveal the Father heart of God. That Jesus came to show us the way to the Father. And I believe that's something that we need to grasp onto as we come into a new year. We cannot go into a new year with an impoverished view of God. Many years ago, I went to a valedictory service. I don't know how many folks have, would know the missionary concern. A long, long time ago, she's now retired. That's how old I am. She's retired now, Katie McKinnon. And Katie, uh, her valedictory service was in the, the church, the free church at, um, at St. Vincent Street in Glasgow. And I was at that service, and the preacher was George Philip, he used to be in one of the churches in Glasgow. And just imagine the verse of scripture that you might have used to send a missionary out for the first time to Africa. And uh, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It was even more powerful. Because his theme was simply God. And it was such a powerful message that I think all of us could have gone to the mission field on the strength of that sermon, that, that ministry of the mighty power of God that he preached to send this missionary out to Kenya or Mozambique, wherever she went. 
And what I find is, in this new year in which we enter, we need to have a, a tremendous view. He's a mighty big God, isn't he? As the hymn puts, he's a mighty big God. And in this verse here, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 24, if you look at that verse, you'll find there a promise of God that has become so powerful and so precious to many, many Christians. And it's so simple. It just says simply, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. I think that's one you could remember quite easily. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Oh, the King James Version used to be faithful is he who has called you and will also do it. This is just one of the many promises that we find in the word of God. Somebody who's added them up says there's at least one promise of God for every day of the year. I believe that. What better place to start in this new year with this promise. He who called you is faithful and he will do it. The faithfulness of God. We've been singing about it already. And I believe that this promise of God was written not just for these Thessalonian believers. But for these Thessalonian believers, I don't know if you remember or not, these were new Christians. Paul had only been there three weeks to establish that church. He had to run for his life. A riot broke out. And they were after him to kill him. So if you run away from this church situation in Thessalonica... An important Greek area. And what we find is what happened was he was concerned, he was anxious about are they progressing in their faith? And so he sends Timothy to ask Timothy, tell us how they're getting on in their faith. And Timothy comes back and says, Paul, they're doing really well. They're going on in their faith. Don't have to worry or be over anxious about these believers. They're doing really well. And Paul writes to them and says, let me give you this parting shot. I want to tell you that the one who calls you is faithful and he's going to do it. And that was the kind of message that he ends with in this first letter to the Corinthians. He wants to give them this wonderful assurance here. He's a faithful God. And yet we can't presume on the grace of God and his faithfulness. In other words, we, we can't go and live as we like and think, that, well, God's faithful, God's full of grace, I can live as we like. And that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, God forbid. How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer in it? We can't presume upon God's grace or presume upon God's faithfulness just to go and live as we like. That grace is not cheap grace. It came at a cost. The cost of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And that grace is there. That faithfulness is there. When we come in repentance before God and seek his face. I don't know how you got on with Christmas and New Year. We were in this place last night and the noise was terrible. It was uh, my son, uh, my grandson got a disco thing for his Christmas. And uh, the volume was up a wee bit, you know. <laughs> but we're still alive. <laughs> at the end of the day. I don't know how you go on at Christmas and, and New Year. For some people, for some people, it was the first Christmas and the first New Year as a born again believer. And that's not easy at times. How do you celebrate Christmas as a born again believer? How do you celebrate the New Year as a born again believer? And sometimes we feel, well, maybe I, I messed up a wee bit. Maybe I, I blew it. 
Maybe I got lack of patience with the family or, or something. Well, I wasn't in a good mood last night. I wasn't in the best room of mind. I should have stayed at home last night. But never mind. I was here <laughs> for this 40th wedding, wedding, birthday celebration. And sometimes we feel... I've just not been in the best frame of mind. I'm supposed to be a believer and I've got all these terrible thoughts in my mind at the end of the day. But God is he's faithful. That's the wonderful thing about him. He's a faithful God. And when we come to him in repentance, we find that he's there for each one of us. Now let's begin to think around a wee round about this promise of God that we find here. Here's my first point for the, today. Where there is a God, there's a call. Where there is a God, there's a call. And we're not talking about any God. We're talking about the, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. We're talking about the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where there is that kind of God, he calls. He communicates. He speaks into your life and into mine. That's the kind of God that we've come to know through the Lord Jesus Christ. Where there is a God like that, he continually calls. In fact, the Greek verb there in that verse is, he continually calls. He keeps on calling. And perhaps in our darkest moments last year, we're going to say, is there anybody there? Is there anybody in the universe? I'm going through such a rough and difficult time. Is there anybody there? One thinker said this, at the very point where we can see and hear nothing from God, at the very point where we say we can see and hear nothing from God, God deposits a mountain on our lap. He puts a mountain on our lap. A mountain of revelation in his nature, in history, in the church, and supremely in Jesus Christ. When we think God is not around, he's not speaking, he can put a mountain of revelation right on their lap. And say, look at history. Look at nature around you. Look at the church of Jesus Christ still going on after all these decades, all these thousands of years. And just look at my son. When we think there's nobody there, God puts a mountain on their lap. Isn't it interesting, the first question in the Bible doesn't come from Adam, it comes from God. He says to Adam, where are you? Now God was not saying that because he didn't know where Adam was. He was saying that to, to bring Adam out of his hiding. Because Adam was hiding, he had sinned against God. He was full of guilt and remorse and, and full of sin and he was hiding because of the shame in his heart and the shame in his life and God, he takes the initiative and God said, where are you Adam? Where are you at this moment? It wasn't Adam that says, where are you God? But God says to Adam, where are you? Because God's on the trail. God's calling out for us. He's looking out for us. He's calling out for us. And that's so important. But what kind of call is this? I'm not into hens. But uh, <coughs> Andy and her Heather, they had, they've had a couple of hens for a while. They just rang the neck of the last one there. Recently they're finished with hens. But I was up there at uh, 
near Pit Lochrey, and I was sitting there at a table having coffee, and these hens, you can't get rid of the things. And he actually jumped up in my lap as I was trying to have coffee and a cup of tea. They're terrible, these hens, you know. But anyway, John Bunyan says that hens have two calls. They have an hourly call, but they also have a call to their young, to their chicks. It's a special call. And John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, was trying to say to us, you know, that's the special goal that God has for us. He's actually saying, I do love you. You're just near to my Father's heart, and, and I'm really calling out for you. There's a special call that God brings us, the, the general call that God gives to us in nature itself. But there's that special call in salvation that's so important. Timothy Dudley Smith, he was a, a bishop, he maybe he still is a bishop, and he wrote the number of hymns that we like. And he says this, that God is most real, try and listen to this, God is most real when he ceases to be an object of request or inquiry and becomes somebody who beckons us. God is most real when he ceases to be an object of inquiry. People asking about him and he becomes most real when you realise he's really calling. He's beckoning on your life and mine. And that's just so powerful and helpful. I remember our Rosalind, she was going through a difficult time many years ago and she felt she wanted to go to Brazil uh, for six months to be with a missionary couple and she had to go to Amsterdam and fly from Amsterdam to Rio but when she got to Amsterdam, because she wasn't used to being out of the country she forgot to put her clock is it an hour forward in Amsterdam and she, and she was in the toilet pondering her nose and she got this, this message through the tannoy last call for Rosalind Russell will she come quickly and she just got on that plate in time to get to Rio I, I don't know when the last call of God is for people's lives but it just it keeps on calling and there'll be a day when it is the last call for somebody's heart and life they don't even perhaps know when it's going to be but there'll be a day when the spirit shall no longer strive with that person but until that time God keeps on calling calling us to salvation calling us to different areas of ministry and life and what we want to say here is what's the call of God in your life? It may not be to the mission field, as Katie McKinnon, it may not be to the pastoral ministry. What's God calling you into? What's the call of God in your heart and your life? Is it to be a better Christian in your home and family? Or to be more involved in the life of a church? Or, or whatever it is, God calls each one of us. The call of God is not just the, 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 the thing for missionaries and missionaries and ministers. It's for everyone. Else. What's the call of God in your life? Because you see, where there's a God, there's a call. And here's the second point I want to share with you. Where there's a call, there's a pledge. And the pledge that we find in that verse is his faithfulness. And what we find in the scriptures that he is a God who not only is one who calls, but he one who does what he calls. He will do it. And the testimony of those who have gone on with the Lord is, I can trust this God. I can trust him. God has kept me through his faithfulness. And what we find in the word of God is, he's faithful in so many different ways. He's faithful 
in forgiveness. Remember that verse in 1 John 1 and verse 9? It says there, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful in temptation. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. God's faithfulness is at stake here. His faithfulness in his forgiveness. God is faithful and just and he'll forgive us our sin. He's faithful in temptation. And no temptation will come upon us that we can't bear. Because God is faithful to provide a way for us to be able to stand up under it. And that's the picture we get in the Bible. A faithful God. He was faithful to Abraham as he set out with his family not knowing where he was going. He was faithful to Moses. He was given Moses that encouragement. Not only was he faithful at the burning bush where he got that call from God, but God was faithful to Moses all the way through. And so we find God saying to Moses, Now go and I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. He was faithful to Joshua. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He was faithful to Jeremiah. Do you remember the call of Jeremiah? says this in the word of God in Jeremiah chapter 1 the word of the Lord came to me saying before I formed you in the womb I knew you, before you were born I set you apart, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations ah sovereign Lord I said I do not know how to speak I'm only a child but the Lord said to me do not say I'm only a child you must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you do not be afraid of them for I am with you and will rescue you declares the Lord and then the Lord reached out his hand and he touched my mouth and he said to me now I have put these words into your mouth then the word of the Lord came to me what do you see Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree I replied and the Lord said to me you have seen correctly for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled see God not sends you a call and leaves you to get on with it I'm watching you to see that my word is fulfilled he covenants his faithfulness He's a covenanting God. And a covenant is a special relationship that people get into. We often talk about that for marriage. A covenanting relationship in marriage. And it's that kind of covenanting thing with God as well. A God of faithfulness who covenants to be with us. Not only at the moment of being called. But every step of fulfilling that call of God upon your life and mine. That's the kind of God we have. A covenanting God who stays with us. Who stays with it. Where there's a God, there's a call. Where there's a call, there's a pledge. And here's the final point. Where there's a pledge, there's a power. He says, I will do it. I really, I'll do it. 
When the faithfulness of God's call comes upon our lives, he will equip us. Salvation, you see, is really two gifts. There's the gift of forgiveness and eternal life, but there's also the gift of God the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God given at Pentecost. That Spirit of power and of blessing and anointing that comes upon our lives. And God is really saying, I can do it for you. What is it that you have started and you're wondering, will I ever finish it? Whatever is going on in your life that says, can I keep going like this? Can I keep going in the Christian faith? Can I live that holy life? And God is saying, I'm the God who's faithful and I want to tell you, you can, I can do it. And you see, the emphasis there is on God. He will do it. Maybe I can't do it from my own strength, but he will do it. This is the tremendous assurance that we have in the word of God. God does not call us just to win the first round of the conflict with the enemy. He calls us to win every subsequent round of the enemy as he comes and seeks to attack our Christian experience. He comes to give us that continual victory in Christ as we yield our members to righteousness. He will do it. And this is the assuring word to those who may be new in the faith. These Thessalonian believers were new in the faith. This is the assuring word that they got from Paul. Paul said, I've just heard that you're progressing in your faith. And he who calls you is faithful. I want you Thessalonian believers to know he is going to do it for you. He'll do it. And somehow we need to grasp that message for ourselves. You may not be a new Christian. You may not be a new Christian, but there's new experiences to go through. It might be this year is going to be a year of new and different things to cope with. Challenges for your life and mine. And God is saying to us, I'll do it. I can do it in my power, in my strength. Let me close one of the great words of David Livingston. He was a great Christian pioneer to Africa. And after many years of service abroad, the University of Glasgow honoured him. And they got David Livingston to come to the university and receive his, was it a doctorate he got? To receive his honour anyway. And here's how he replied. He replied in his speech, he said, I returned to Africa without misgiving and with great gladness. Would you like me to tell you what supported me through all the years of exile among people whose language I couldn't understand and whose attitude to me was often uncertain and often hostile? It was this. Here's what Livingston said to all these great professors in Glasgow University. This is the thing that sustained me. Low I am with you always to the end of the world. And he says, on on these words, I state everything. And he's never failed me. On these words, I state everything. And he's never failed me. Isn't that wonderful to have a promise of God for the first Sunday of the year? He who called you is faithful and he will do it. Annie Johnson Flint wrote this poem in her book of poems. His faithfulness fails not. It meets each new day. New guidance for every new step of the way. New grace for new trials. New trust for old fears. New patience for bearing the wrongs of the years. New strength for new burdens. New courage for old. New faith for whatever the day may unfold. As fresh for each need as the dew and the salt. Oh, she says, 
new every morning the mercies of God. They are new every morning. So here's the promise to take away with you today into this new year. That where there's a God, there's a call. What's the call of God in your life? What is God saying to you for this new year? And where there is a call, there's a pledge. And it's the pledge of his faithfulness. God is saying, I'll be faithful. I'll stand with you. I've set you on the road. I want to continue with you all the way as you travel along that road. I will be faithful to you. I will be with you all the way. Where there's a God, there's a call. Where there's a call, there's a pledge. Where there's a pledge, there's a power. And that power is the power of God, the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill your life. He wants to anoint your life. And he wants to minister through that life of yours. That's the wonderful promise that God has given to each one of us.